Welcome to another episode of the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie and to my right sits James, my co-host. And this podcast is all about discovering the next generation of Australian football, Australian soccer players, hoping to one day unearth, well, at least help unearth, because I don't know if I can do that by myself, the next generation of uh, Australian footballers, the golden generation, if you will, Mark Schwarzer, the next Harry Kill, Tim Cahill, Mark Viduka, any other? Bresciano. Bresciano. Yes. Oh, I like that. Uh, James is obviously the voice that you just heard. And what a, what a week in Australian football it's been. Specifically in the A-League, it has been incredible. A goal or two. An absolute incredible weekend. There's no other words. I was going to say, you know, I can't even find the words to describe the weekend that we had specifically in the A-League. Incredible is a word that's used a lot. But yeah. in this instance... It is perfectly applicable. And I agree with you. Before we go anywhere, I want to give a special welcome to uh, our friends at SBS because some big news was announced, I guess, earlier today, I think it was. Before I say anything more on SBS, I do want to quickly talk about the fact that it was announced today as well as this SBS news that Australia will not be bidding for the 2034 World Cup. The Men's World Cup. We will not be bidding for the 2034 Men's World Cup. Instead, focusing our attention on hosting the 2029 FIFA Club World Cup and the 2026 Women's Asian Cup. Mm. Uh, on the whole, I think that's a good choice. I think so as well, especially when you look at what the competition was. Yeah, I mean, Saudi Arabia, I have a feeling that that deal is already done. Mm. Regardless, oh. Australia poured $7 billion into it. I mean, with the price of oil going up, $80 a barrel over the last year, I think we all know where that $80 a barrel is poured into. Uh, yeah. Isn't the Saudi Arabian coffers? No, no. Well, um, I, I have been accused of saying some potentially defamatory things about the FIFA president mm. on live radio, and we, we won't revisit that because I'd past like to... the past. I'd like to keep my job... Mm. Uh, at my workplace. We also believe in people redeeming themselves and growing as individuals. I like that. I like that as well. Uh, but do I hold to those opinions still? Perhaps. I won't commit to saying no. I'm more likely to commit to saying yes. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, but in other news, I think that's a good thing just quickly. I think it's a great thing that we have gone, do you know what? It's not worth it. We're better off investing our time and energy into those other bids for the Women's Asian Cup and then for... The FIFA Club World Cup. Yeah. And and even just focusing on our own backyard, Lachlan. Yeah. Things like the National Second Division. Yeah. Promotion relegation, grassroots football, all these things. Even things like actual boutique-sized football grounds for our professional game. Yeah. I, and I agree with that. I think, obviously, there would have been cash injections from the government to help get the bid across the line. But I think it's just worth spending time and energy into getting, yeah, the National Second Division for me is probably a higher priority. And then looking to secure infrastructure is mm. probably an, another, I guess, priority as well. Yeah. And I and I don't know whose responsibility that is solely on as far as whether that's on the, the professional clubs to try and build their own stadiums, whether it's Football Australia trying to lobby to get infrastructure. I don't know. But I think you're better off trying to fix the quote-unquote problems in our own backyard than trying to what I yeah. think is almost a band-aid solution. Yeah. It's a it's a quick injection of adrenaline. Uh, it's like the green whistle. It's awesome when you're on it and it's like this is an exciting high, but then you realize that you still have a broken leg 
and it's going to take a while for it to heal and fix up. Yeah. So I think that's a, a good move on the whole. I'm, I'm excited, though, uh, that we will be hopefully getting the Women's Asian Cup and the FIFA Club World Cup. Maybe we'll see an A-League club. Hmm. Give ourselves a, a couple of years to, to get there. I mean, arguably the Women's Asian Cup now is one of the biggest tournaments for us to get building off the success of the Matildas. Oh, yeah. I mean, even the fact that you had a sold-out Optus Stadium or a near-sold-out Optus Stadium, the TV figures, I think, were weren't too bad. Uh, I think they were still pretty good. So there's still national interest for the Matildas. So on, on the whole, I think that World Cup news, I think for some people, it's a little bit sad that we might not see a Men's World Cup in Australia for another 30 years or so. Yeah, 2050 may be the aim. But I'd rather see our national team get to a more solid point and, you know, see our infrastructure grow and our youth systems grow and all that be better rather than see a men's World Cup. I can, I can fly and watch a men's World Cup somewhere else. Well, okay, mate. Well, man's living well. No, I'm, I'm just saying that I'm, I'm putting aside money. I'm saving. Wow. I'm investing wisely. And on the whole world cup news, I think that's, I think that's good news. True. There's, there was also World Cup news in relation to us being able to watch it yes. if we weren't and having that, it in and Australia. That's, and that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about. Before I go any further, I'd like to bring back a segment that we did in one of the first episodes of this podcast. Wow, that's a callback. I know. Now, if you don't recognise where this theme is from, you're probably under the age of 25. And it means that uh, you don't watch the Australian national broadcast well that often because it's a theme for Media Watch, the segment that we, we tried to get going where we, we looked at what was happening in the media. And just today it was announced that SBS, as I alluded to earlier, is going to be the, the home broadcaster for the Men's World Cup in 2026, uh, which I think is great news. I don't know about your opinion on how Channel 7 went and how the Women's World Cup broadcasting went. I think the Men's World Cup is obviously, you have to treat it differently because time zones, you're looking at an American time zone. And so it's not prime time in Australia. And I think SBS have done a great job in the past offering games live and free on SBS than having the online equivalent SBS on demand. I think there are a couple of games previously as well, obviously on Optus Sport, because they, I think they've done a good job broadcasting at a I would say a slightly higher level it's slight, not not as accessible obviously paywall paywall uh, but they did come to the party I remember when Optusport first got going they offered World Cup games for free because they were trying to get people to yeah. use their platform and, and getting used to that and I think there was also some issues initially as well the reason why I wanted to talk about this is that I've seen a fair bit of chat recently on on social media across different platforms about why the game isn't growing and, and, and ha- why in Australia we're not seeing you know young Aussies get the platform that they maybe deserve. And part of the reasoning is because, oh, well, we don't have the games on Foxtel anymore. The A-League isn't on Foxtel. And it, the, it's not being advertised as much I've seen a fair bit There's of been a, way more advertising. I've seen a lot of A-League advertising um, good. this year, which is great. Uh, good start. But I, I just don't know whether I, I completely buy it. I think that Paramount Plus obviously has a ways to go and there are some teething issues there. But I think that having 
the World Cup on SBS who know how to treat the game, I think that's a good thing. I think having Optus is another great option. But I'm a little bit confused and maybe lamenting the fact that Channel 7, after all the success of the Women's World Cup, didn't go, hey, I wonder what, how much it would cost to bid and jump in on this because we see that there's lots of potential. Yeah. I think this is where I landed at the end of the day, Lachlan. When you think about the Premier League, you think about Sky Sports very quickly. When you think about crickets in Australia, you very quickly think about Channel 9. Although they're on Channel 7 now. Exactly. But you've also seen cricket lose its foothold a little bit in the, in the ratings because of that. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is as much as home grounds are very important to sporting teams in real life, you need a home ground that is synonymous with your culture and your identity. The same thing applies for broadcasting. Sure, yeah. And it feels like football has been, in this country, has been nomadic in broadcasting for a long time. Mm. Boxtel, yeah, okay, we got a bit of a home there. Kind of saw the, you know, the golden years, the A-League there, and started to really grow and burst onto the scene there, and it started to work out really well. Part of that could put that down to the fact that the Premier League was on the same yeah. platform. I'm I'm not an idiot to recognize that that isn't the case, but I don't know. I think it that helps. We're in a different age now. Yeah, I think that Paramount Plus has room to grow. It's not a perfect platform by all means, but that's its home for the moment. It just doesn't feel like home though, and I think a lot of that is because, for one, it's not a football broadcaster. Oh yeah, I, I it's not even a sport broadcaster. It feels like oh, come through this, you know, this classical Australian kind of streaming service with a few Australian shows, you know, come watch a bit of Bluey, you know, get around. Not, not that same platform, but that's fine, isn't it? Uh, no, Bluey's uh, not. Uh, you're thinking of Paw Patrol. Oh, thank you. I am thinking Paw Patrol. Wrong dog kids tv show yeah. that's shameful on you honestly because the number of Paw Patrol ads that i'm being shown at the moment about rubble and his friends you should really know better i'm a bit concerned about your targeted advertising right now but i'll move on um it just feels like the a-league and thus you know football as a whole is kind of just like an afterthought it's plastered on you know yeah. it's kind of like oh yeah look at the you know the cousin over there it's there you know kind of in the corner at the party I think a broadcast needs to be a home sure. in Australian sport because for me at least, I watch a whole lot of football on a broadcaster than I do in the stadium because I watch, you know, every A-League game yeah. every weekend, a lot you know, of European You're not flying football. to every stadium yeah, in Australia. Yeah, exactly. And I think I never really feel at home with Paramount and a lot of that is because of the teething issues, but a lot of that is because, you know, I'm on BN Connect for a lot of my European stuff and then I'm on Optus Sport. And they they're they're sport broadcasters, right? Yeah. They have a lot well, of different their, things. It's their only, that's yeah. like their main bread and butter. But then I then I log on to Paramount. I'm like, oh, yep, here's a drama TV series. Here's another TV series. Oh, let me find the sports ad that's kind of tucked away in oh. the way. It's not home. It feel like it doesn't feel like it's welcome there. And I think that's a huge. It's I'm not saying it's almost nonsensical in a way, Lachlan. Sure. When you think about the arguments for it. Um, but I think deep down there's some kind of human personable reasoning there of why Paramount Plus doesn't hit. And yes, you can say, oh, pause, rewound, picture and picture. You know, all these things, which yes, they are important. But I think what it underlines is this whole idea that football doesn't seem loved, it doesn't seem wanted, and it doesn't feel like home. 
And I think that is the core issue with Paramount Plus and why the A-League isn't thriving on there. And do you know what? I don't disagree with you completely there. I think the reason why I'm happy that SBS has the rights to the World Cup in 2026 is because they understand, they get football. They know what it's like to broadcast football and they do a good job of it. Mm. But I think that there is something to be said about trying to increase the exposure of the league on one of the main, I'm going to say three channels, because let's be real, in Australia, it's seven, nine, and 10. Seven, it's got AFL. Nine, it's got NRL. 10, A-League. Seven in the summer has the cricket. Nine, not exactly sure what offerings it has in the summer. I can't quite remember what sport. They, they sometimes get some cricket as well. It's, it's a weird market when it comes to summer sports. But 10, it's main asset, it's main thing that it has is the A-League. And I agree that even the Socceroos games and the Matildas games, it feels like they're a little bit of an afterthought. I think Stan do a great job. If you go on the Stan platform, they have all their comedies and their dramas and everything is all situated in the app. And they have literally a sport tab and it brings you to this new, different streaming experience, if you will. And I think they do a great job at balancing the two and I think maybe Paramount Plus could learn a thing or two but as far as growing the game in Australia it's a weird thing because I, I don't think you can solely blame a streaming service for a potential lack of growth but I also think that that streaming service could do better does that make sense it does make sense I think it's unhealthy to just point your finger at Paramount Plus and Channel 10 and be like they've let us down and there should be ways to get Paramount Plus into all pubs because I think that's another key place oh, that yeah. people go and watch games and that ne- they need to make that a little bit more accessible so that um, pubs aren't just going, oh, we don't have Paramount Plus. And so there's definitely room for growth, don't get me wrong. But I think that the future of the sport, having it on Channel 10, if they can get their stuff together, is actually going to be a good thing on the whole. Mm. You can make an argument that uh, free-to-air TV is somewhat irrelevant anyway and it's on the way up. But I, I, I feel as though there's a market... And maybe that market is getting smaller as people get older and and pass away. But there's a market of people who could watch the A-League. And we we saw how big, you know, Australia is not anti-soccer, I would say. And I, I, I don't like this Code Wars thing because we saw how many people jumped on board the bandwagon for the Matildas. They're okay. They're happy to watch the sport when it suits them but they just need to needs to be more accessible to them. Mm. They need to be able to know when and where to watch it. Part of that comes down to marketing, but it also needs to be made accessible for them. It needs to be as easy as possible to watch it. It needs to be relatable and personable as well. Yeah, and I think, I think there's a room to grow in that. I'm happy that SBS have it for football lovers, for, for someone who's nostalgic about watching previous World Cups on SBS. But I, I don't know, I think that the future of the sport, I think that channels... 10 and Paramount is, isn't a bad thing. I think they just need to get the act together. I also think that Paramount needs to invest some money in producing content that isn't uh, sport as well. Yeah. Because their offerings other than, than the A-League and, you know, Socceroos games is your favourite show, Paw Patrol. <laughs> and I think Dexter, maybe. Yeah. Other than that, couldn't tell you any other Paramount Plus offering. South Park, maybe? Maybe. I'd... I, I couldn't tell you. That's how poor the cut-through has been on their product other than the thing that I'm already there for. It's also if Paramount Plus makes it 
far enough for the next well, that's that's a different broadcast cycle because yeah, we all know where streaming services are going. And well, that's in the bin. Well, yeah, I guess all I'm trying to say is we saw during the Women's World Cup. I think Channel Seven did a great job, on the whole, at producing World Cup content. Whether they could do that for the standard A League seasons is a different thing, but I think they did a great job at treating the game with respect. And then we also saw. Optus Sport doing what they do best and they're very good at it and they delivered a great service. And so marrying the the Optus sort of content and the Optus offerings, I guess, for those who are football fans who want more, who are happy to pay for that more, happy to watch every single game live and watch highlights and mini matches, etc. And then Channel 7 providing a decent service for the general public who are just somewhat interested I think that's, in my limited opinion of the way that I see the media landscape in Australia, because I work in it, I think that's probably going to be for the best of the sport. I agree. And bonus, if you can get the Premier League on the same streaming service, then you get some of those people who are somewhat interested in the sport already who are going to be watching Premier League or women's soccer league games as well. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough talking about media. And I'm passionate about it because I think it does matter. Shall we get into something else? Something that we usually do in this show. We go around the grounds. Let's chat about the Aussies that are playing well overseas and on our shores, James. Let's do it. I'm going to start this off with a player that I don't think you would expect me to kick things off with. A a guy that, look, I I think his chances, if you're going to put them into one of four categories, and actually very helpful. One of the people who listened to this show, James, actually... Uh, it's a great show, guys, and love the fact that we had forgotten Socceroos. So we have four categories, I guess, that we, we categorize the people that we talk about in the show. We've got fringe, we have future, we have frequent, and we've got forgotten Socceroos. Now, this isn't a forgotten. I'd say they teeter somewhere on fringe and future, but maybe forgotten as well. Honestly, they could be all three. Gethin Jones, a name that if you listen to this show, you might recognize. James, where are you in the Gethin Jones fan club? Are you... President, what's your role in the fan club? In the Gethin Jones specific fan yeah, club. Yeah. I'm just a member. But You're in the Get Gethin Jones Cup for Australia fan club. Now that one I'm the president of. Yeah, you're the president? Yeah. Treasurer as well? Oh yeah. Secretary. Yeah, you every single role yeah. on the board. How's the AGM last week? Yeah, it was great, mate. Um You got to see him keep a clean sheet clean against John Athletic? Yeah. Class performance. And he's playing well, playing a different role as well, as more of a right back. Back it's three, see, I think, yeah. I saw. Yeah, right side's in the back. It kind of pivots into a, you know, full back, depending on how you want to face the play. But modern football, right? Modern football. Uh, also in that game, it was obviously playing against Charlton Athletic. Ashley Manor Brewer was in goal for Charlton. Not great conceding two goals. Um, and made a then few saves. Made a couple of saves as well. And then Jack Iredell, another name that people who... I guess listeners to the show might be aware of, he was on the bench for Bolton, mm. so he didn't get off the bench. But were you saying to me before we started recording that you thought he was injured? Yeah, he's had a few injury issues. So obviously towards the uh, for the end of last year, from January to the end of the season, he had a knee injury that kept him up the rest of the season. Then coming back into the season, he had um, a few one of really good games, and then he just didn't look himself. And I remember a Carlisle game. And for some reason, I recall him being injured. So I did a bit of a Google search because I'm like, oh, I haven't seen his name in a few weeks in my little player tracker. Uh, I recall him being injured. Mm. And then I just found a little article that said he was playing through injury 
through the yeah, month of righto. you know September and early October, and then coming back from the World Cup cycle, has found himself you know not starting as regularly. So I wonder if you know maybe an injury has happened there. He's struggling to get back up to speed. He's on the bench because he's technically right to play, but he's just not hundred percent right. And they're having good performances, and they're just you know playing it safe. He had a game on the fourth of October, so it's almost a month ago now, where he did get a goal and an assist, copped a yellow card. So that's probably his best game, and maybe one of the only games he's really played uh, in the last little bit. Um, I mean, the last game was yeah that game against Carlisle where he just didn't quite look himself. Mm. And it was, you know, a bit of an injury. And then, you know, a report that I found, you know, through a local Bolton newspaper. Confirmed that he was playing to a little bit of a knee issue. How's the Bolton Times? Up to date. The cartoon section still going strong? Oh, yeah, as always. Not got anything on David Squire, but, you know, does his job. Fair enough. Uh, Also in the third tier of England, League One, Kenny Dougal. Once again, playing against a young Aussie goalkeeper uh, is a 4-2 loss, unfortunately, for Blackpool. But Billy Kapich was in goal for Peterborough. Yeah, he had to let one of old Kenny, mate. King yeah. Kenny. Just a, oh, oopsies. Yeah. Me? Oh, the king. He's back at it again. But yeah, Ken Dougal, one of those players that I'm hoping doesn't, you know, slip into forgotten territory. But it, I mean, I'll there was honest, one shot he'd want to get where, you know, he did have a header that. Almost went out for a throw in. I would understand yeah. if it was. Uh, you want to forget that one. If you were on the sideline and you headed it and it went out for a throw in, that'd be one thing. It's another thing to be. It was. It was on the edge of the six yard box. Yeah, that's not very good. Skimmed. I, yeah, it did yeah. skim, but still. Okay. Well, eh, I'm telling you, hey, I'm remember. Uh, headed goals. I mean, got one of them. Yeah. Headed one in from the six yard box. Bang on set piece. Easy as you like. It was a header that he scored. It was, yeah. I thought that's what you were alluding to. No, well, I was actually going to just talk about our next footballer, Triantis, playing at Sunderland. Uh, He scored in the Premier League 2 against Tottenham. It was a 4-2 loss. Uh, It was the goal that brought them back to 4-2. So really a consolation goal. But it was a header. Kind of just fell straight at him. And he headed in. There was not much to it. The keeper made an error. took a deflection off a defender. And... It would have been embarrassing if he missed. It was that easy. I mean, yeah, Triantis, it's good to see him playing regularly in the Premier League too, getting lots of experience. Hopefully that championship opportunity comes sooner rather than later. He's been really high touted this time in Sunderland, really uh, rated by the staff over there. who been featured on the bench a couple of times. Yeah, uh, and they think he has a lot of potential, but just think he has you know, a bit more room to grow, into, especially in terms of his body, to be ready for the, you know, the physical nature of the championship, but they really do believe in him over there and being, you know, a future championship or even premiership centre-back. Well, I mean, hopefully for his sake, he was listed in the latest FM game. I'm not sure if we mentioned this last week or the week before, but in the latest FM game, he is a wonder kid. He's got that wonder kid tag. So, I mean, FM scouts have been wrong before, but it's nice to see that he's getting recognition. FM scouts are never wrong. We literally said on this last episode, I'm, I'm, I could grab the audio where we said that they got some ratings wrong in Australia and the Asian. Nah, they're, they're never wrong. Well, okay. they're j- not about potential. It's just the coaches didn't do a good enough job to get them to that potential. I can literally take audio from you last week. No, nah, preposterous. Fake news, Lachlan. Okay. Well, uh, hey, also in the Premier League too, <laughs> Zach Gilson. <laughs> Yep, Zach Gilson. Uh, this is... Dual National. Dual National. We did speak about him a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember speaking about him, James? Are you um, going to contradict anything you've said? I, I don't remember. I, 
I struggle to remember what I had for breakfast, to be honest. But That's good. We'll I'm, go. I'm glad you are doing a podcast that relies heavily on you remembering things, specifically about how footballers went. Uh, no, he scored a goal, somewhat similarly to Kenny Dougal and to Triantis, in a loss. Uh, this time a 7-2 loss for Blackburn. Yeah, look, not Blackburn proper. No, the, the academy, academy in Premier League 2. Yeah, look, it's a goal. It's a pen. We take it. Well, not much else to say, really. He's obviously got some minutes off the bench in the championship for the first time in his career. Uh, now he's back in Premier League 2, getting consistent minutes. And look, he's really growing into his professional career now. So the fact that he is on set pieces bodes also really well for him as a future in terms of the poison, the composure and the leadership you need to have the confidence to say, no, I'm taking penalty. I've got this. So developing well and I'm really excited to see, you know, Six months' time towards the end of the season, where he's at. Hopefully it's in green and gold, though, not, you know, green, and, green and kind of orangey. Yeah, green and orange and yeah. white. A bit of white, yeah. Hey, uh, in Scotland, Keanu Bacchus, a goal in a 4-0 win against St. Johnson, obviously playing for St. Mirren. Uh, I think in that game as well, we had Ryan Strain make an appearance. But mm. let's focus on Keanu Bacchus. Yeah, yeah look. A goal, yeah. a goal in a 4-0 win. <laughs> yeah, look. Bacchus was solid. Um Good game, box to box, really dominating faces of play and, you know, a decent effort from outside the box as well, long range. Finding that, you know, that top right corner or the top left corner, depending on, you know, your perspective. If you're the goalkeeper, you know, it's in that top right. If you're shooting, it's, it's in yeah. the top left. Yeah. Thanks for so, explaining that. Well, it could have been mirrored. That's fair. If I didn't okay, explain that's it. Fair. So, yes. He played really well. Um, box to box effort, lovely goal. To be honest, had no business scoring it, but he did. So that was really good. Uh, and he did usual things that Keanu Backers does well, which is press with intensity, win the ball in great areas, play good sideways passes in order to maintain possession and build up the play well, and then make late bursting runs into the, the into the area to provide pressure. So really good game. And look, for me, he has to take that next step in his career soon, I feel. You know, the clock's kind of ticking, I feel. Um the championship is calling. So I hope this is his last season in Scotland uh, before making that move over to the championship. I mean, there were rumours swelling around pre-World Cup, right? Yeah. That there were Huddersfield, clubs I believe, was the club. We are heading towards, I guess, a transfer window. It's true. There's an opportunity for him to make the move if the right club comes and makes the right offer. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see him move. I want to see him in the championship because I firmly believe that Backers is one of those players that just get better Every time he takes that step up, he rises to the occasion. So I'd love to see him take the next step. Also in Scotland, Lewis Miller played out a nil-all draw with Celtic. He didn't individually. His side, uh, Hibs, did. Uh, Boyle also did. Great play. result. Though. Yeah, a, a great. Celtic are obviously top of the table. So great for the Hibs. Boyle played 90. Jago played 83 minutes as well. Yeah, good to see Jago, you know, kind of finding his feet, getting back to his best after, I'd say, adopted Australian Nick Montgomery. Uh, good to see him back in the lineup playing consistently. Boyle, obviously, you know, struggling a little bit. Not going to hold that against him. It's Celtic, right? They're a very good outfit, very yeah. good defensive team as well. Uh, as that's how Brendan Rodgers likes to play. But I think, yeah, for me, the most impressive thing about Lewis Middler this game, because we speak about how good he is attacking, but it's more so how good he was defending. Because he was up against Palmer, their left winger, who is really aggressive, cutting inside, which means he's cutting across Miller's body regularly, which means Miller's being invited onto duels. And he didn't shy away from that. He actually won five out of his seven tackles. And, you know, he was in almost 20 ground duels this game, which shows how 
busy he was and the fact that he was able to stay engaged and lock down his side of the pitch and really restrict Palmer to pretty much long shots and struggle to get in the box and create really was a testament to how good he was out there and shows his growth on the defensive side of the ball. And that's one of the reasons now where I think he's kind of overtaken strain for me. Um, I think it was already past Atkinson, especially with Atkinson's little knee injury, I believe mm. it was. Maybe it was an ankle. Lower limb injury. Um, but yeah, I think Miller has definitely consolidated his first team spot in the Socceroos. And I think he is now the starting right back in my mind. Starting right back. That's a, a big call. I would say that strain for me is still first pick. I think uh, it, it's a toss up when Atkinson is fit. I, I agree that he hasn't been as consistent or he's, he's struggling a little bit this season mm. and, and the injury hasn't quite yeah. helped him. And I know that he has had to play a little bit higher up the pitch. He plays more as a, a right mid, right wing back in a way, as opposed to a, a, a right back, which is, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's what we might need in the soccer is, especially if we're going to continue to elbow into a back three, then maybe we need a, a right back who, who's going to sit in a little bit. Alessicardi. Yeah, well... Hey, that's a great Thomas great Dang, shout. Once again, as well as a backup. That is an absolutely great shout. So, yeah, I don't know whether he's first pick for me. But for true right backs, though, like yeah. between Miller, Strain, and Atkinson. I'm not too big on Atkinson. I think he's got some fairly significant defensive issues, yep. especially with his aerial tracking. Uh, he gets lost in the air a lot. Uh, and I think, yeah, for me, Miller's just developed a bit too much defensively. Um, overstrained offensive capabilities while Miller's maintained his offensive capabilities that he's overtaken strain for me. So I'd okay. go Miller, Strain, Atkinson in that order. Okay. Well, uh, maybe we can put that as the question below who's who's your first choice right back. Or as we approach Asian Cup time, no, I, I was going to say who's who makes your Asian Cup squad, but there's legs in that question. We could ask that every week almost and it'll change. We'll ask a position a week almost. <laughs> like we'll start with the right back. But even then, that, even then, that could change. Uh, let's let's move. Speaking of moving, let's move to Germany. Jackson Irvine, That's a big move. I don't know Jackson Irvine, Connor Metcalf playing out a two-one win against Karlsruhe. Uh, Connor Metcalf picking up an assist in that game. Jackson Irvine just playing ninety minutes, but a decent ninety minutes as well. And a little two-one win. One of those results that you just kind of need. You know, tick along in the league as you mm-hmm. fight for promotion. But yeah, Metcalf playing on that right wing spot. I thought he was really showing his development and why he's really developed into more of a traditional right winger who can come and sit in that left, in that right sided, sorry, half space with his left foot. He's really developed that part of his game. And, you know, we know the qualities that Jackson mm. Irvine has, so I won't really dwell on it, but really solid game for him. I probably should have had a goal in my mind, you know, done a bit better or point blank effort Wh- which from the six chance? yard the, box. The 33 minute chance or the 72 minute one? I would say probably the um, 33 minute one. Well, yeah. Solid game, though. I, I, I like seeing the St. Pally boys tick on, continue to do well. They're, they seem to push one another to be even better and, and to find that next gear. Mm. Irvine scoring last week. Yeah. Now, Metcalf, sorry, name slipped my mind for a second. He's developed really well this yeah. season as well. He's doing very well. And I think he is being rewarded as well when he's playing in the soccer side. He's doing a great job. Well, he's, lo- he's almost locked down at another 10 position from that last cap. Like yeah. he was so good against England. So good. Mm. And, you know, was very good as well against New Zealand. So it'll be very interesting, uh, especially with McGree coming from injury. 
I think those two have a very interesting battle heading into the Asian Cup because I do think they're fighting for the same position. Yeah. So that's fair. It's going to be interesting. Um, you could see McGree used more so on this a left wing option. I think because of Arnold's kind of desire though to play with roles as the left back that kind of tucks in, he'll probably want a left more pure winger like a Craig Goodwin. But McGree left footed as well could be that option. So I could see McGree kind of taking that as his avenue into the squad. But I think in terms of at their best and their best positions. Metcalf and McGree are fighting for that same spot. No, I, I think I agree with that. Where do you see Robertson in the mix? Um, I think Robertson of recent weeks actually for Portsmouth has played a bit deeper. Okay. He's played as more of a deep line playmaker, kind of in that role that Luongo played Yep, for Australia. So uh, maybe Robertson can kind of be that backup to Luongo. And you have Irvine at the six, Luongo as the eight, Robertson as the backup eight, can also play as the ten. As much as I like Robertson... He's got a lot of room to grow, and I think the growth we've seen from Metcalf has kind of cemented his spot, even though I think Robertson has far more potential than Metcalf. So half my brain's like, oh, potential, play that, yes. Um, the sensible part of the win now part of my brain's like, Metcalf a bit further along in the road, bit of a more sound choice, play him. Also, Robertson doesn't perfectly suit Graham's shape. System, okay. Um, yeah. So there is a bit of an issue there. So I think Robertson for the this Asian Cup is a rotation midfielder. Next World Cup cycle, though, after the Asian Cup, get this man starting. Starting regularly for me as well. Maybe look to move Metcalf to the right wing, McGree to the left wing, Robertson in the middle. Okay. Be something. But then you also have Grant Kowal, who is developing really, really well over in the Netherlands. I mean, that's just leap from Ajax. They just <laughs> took Ajax in the league table, who may be rock bottom of the league. Yeah. But hiring still, John Van Skip. That's uh, true. And another adopted Australian. And then the Australian assistant whose name escapes me right now. But it is interesting you bring up the Netherlands because I also want to chat about Adrian Segasic, who's in the second mm. tier of uh, the Netherlands. He's playing for FC Dordrecht. Two goals and a man of match performance against FC Den Bosch within this past week. He's really just gone leaps and bounds since leaving Sydney FC. He's obviously on loan. Who would have thought leading Australian youth need to play first-team football? Crazy. And I would argue that he really could have helped Sydney FC the other night against the Raw. Yeah, and it's it, we know what's crazier? When a player's played in position. Yeah. That's, that's the craziest bit. Um, Sydney FC insisted on playing him on the left wing as a true left winger. Uh, and of course, you know, Dordek to figured out, no, we'll play him in the inverted half space where he can pull all the strings on the right mm. and he dominates. So playing really well over in the Netherlands, Adrian Segesic, um, he's developing well, obviously. He needs to improve like all young Australians and all young wingers in general needs yeah. to improve on his build-up play contributions. You know, we speak about that a lot. It's just a very normal thing for young wingers and, you know, young attacking players in general to develop those build-up play contributions. It's a struggle to develop that for a lot of young players. So needs to grow in that. In terms of national team right now, let's not get ahead of ourselves and say he should be called up. He's still playing mm. the Eretissi, the second division of the Netherlands. But if he's not featuring in an Oli Roos camp or a young soccer Roos camp, I'm not opposed to him being called up as a train-on player. 
Okay. I think that's a really nice place for him right now in his development cycle. And I think that's a really good thing that Graham Arnold has introduced for these young players to be pushing for and wanting to have that national camp experience. So a train-on player for me, contender for those kind of spots, those three train-on players that Graham seems to like to choose. Yep. Really like that. Really cool. If he hasn't been called up, obviously, to another Australian camp, you know, in the young soccer is Ollie Roos, of course. Yeah, fair enough. One of those players who was a train-on player but was given his first cap, Mo Toure. He's back for Paris FC. He got an assist against Troyes. It was the equaliser in a two-all draw within this past week. So great to see Mo Toure not just making up numbers on the pitch and developing quietly, but chipping in in important games and you know helping to rescue a draw for his side. Yeah, and also um, condemning Patrick Asnorbo to what would have been his first win since the 13th of August. I forgot about that storyline um, in that game as well. And, and the last win before the 13th of August. Well, let's not get into that because that was before he was hired, um, which need I remind you was in January of last year. Um, anyway, Toure. He's developing really well, a uh, really good player, a striker for the future for the Socceroos, and that's something we need, obviously, because we have Duke. Yep. Duke is, I think, 33, I want to say now. Yeah, he's, he's getting He's not it. a spring chicken. This should be, I imagine, his last World Cup cycle. Yeah. I don't think by the time the next World Cup rolls around, yeah. 34, 35, that kind of area. Not quite there anymore, but Motore and Noah Botic, I think, are two really important names, and Grant Kowal as well. Those are probably the three really important names for me. He'd be 36 by the time uh, the next World Cup. Yeah. Th- yeah, 35, 36. No, Botic is the heir apparent in terms of, you know, similar same play style. Yep. But Mo Toure and Grenkwall, I think, are also two really fine striker options. I know Grenk has played a lot more on the wing in the early part of his career. I still think he has a lot of abilities at striker that transition really well and I would love to see him in that kind of role. But Mo Toure... And Noah Bottage is certainly the two leading options to take that mantle from Mitchell Duke and become the next big Australian striker in this Australian squad. Yeah. Where do you see a player like Christian Balpado fitting in if he <sighs> does continue to get more game time Lachlan. like he did? He got some minutes, the first minutes he's had in a little while, since August specifically. One will draw against Bologna. If Volpato commits, you do the same thing you did with Robertson and you airdrop him into the team. Okay. That's a big call for someone not getting minutes. At the Robertson moment. wasn't getting minutes either. Fair enough. And what that is saying is just how talented these kids are and how much potential they have. And we saw what happened with Robertson once he got that experience. He, he exploded, right? Mm. He got that experience. He grew in confidence. He learned a lot and he exploded. Volpato is about to explode, right? He, he's in simmering for a little bit and just that experience of a national team call-up, a national team cap could really explode his career and catapult him onto the main stage of European football. I mean, I, I agree with you. I hope for your sake that we do see him. He was so and- good as well in his little cameo. Like, the class is so obvious. He was on set pieces. Yeah, that is exciting. As a 19-year-old kid coming off the bench, he is on set pieces. No, that is exciting. It's Hey, reminds me of a, another youngster playing the A-League who's on, on free kicks specifically. That was a decent hit as well. That was. Well, should, we, should we chat about what's happened in Australia? Should we go to Australia? Sounds good. 
Let's let's go home like SBS. <laughs> well, like let's, football let's and SBS. Uh, and I think the way that we should do this is we should just go game by game. I imagine in the A League. Yeah. Do we do we want to talk about what's happening in Asian football? I at these stages, I don't think so. It's a strange one because every game feels like they should be winning, and maybe that's my ignorance. But I feel like we shouldn't be losing to sides in Cambodia. Yeah. Look, the Asian Champions League, which obviously um, Melbourne City are a part of. Yep. I have a lot more sympathy for. We should be winning the Asian Cup. I'm sorry. The AFC Cup, you mean? Yeah, the AFC yeah. Cup. First game of the weekend, Brisbane Raw, Sydney FC. I was there. I was I was watching the game in the flesh. And I'll be honest, I was surprised. I have very low expectations of the Raw. And part of that is I'm trying to balance giving fair, reasonable responses and, and not just being a one-eyed fan. But I went into this game going, oh, I wonder how this is going to go. I will say, great to see the Den back and in full force. I said that already on X, but great to see the Den back and that was exciting. But the Raw 3-0 win, Henry Hall getting a goal in the first minute, then backing it up in the 51st minute as well. I think the main talking point from this game is that we saw a number of youngsters, whether their soccer is potential or not, I don't know. I think there are some Raw fans who think that a player like Henry Hall could have a stint I don't. I don't think no, that's the case. No. I think he's. He'll be a good A League player. A great. I think he'll be a great A League yeah. player. But I, I. Hey Henry, prove me wrong. I don't see him getting to the levels required to to take the place of of some of our Socceroos. Yeah, I mean, it would be the second Brisbane Boys College player to play for the Socceroos if he did after Aiden O'Neill. There you go. Shout out to your old school. Yeah, Almada. Millie Uznich as well, being absolutely gifted a goal by Andrew Redmayne. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's speak about players that are in the well, frame for the it, Socceroos in the future because it, yeah, Milosevic is not. He isn't, and in my mind, Redmayne shouldn't be. And grief. No, honestly, Billa Cavachal had such a good game on the weekend for Peterborough. Yeah, really good distribution. There are so many youngsters getting minutes and opportunities overseas. I understand that John Crawley loves Andrew Redmayne. I understand that there are some fans who rightfully point to what he did against Peru and said, "Look what he did." But I'll reiterate. We would have got the same result with Matt Ryan between the we, we could have gotten. I don't think you can Now I'll be definitive, Lachlan. We would have. We would have. I think you can say that we could have. There's every chance. Redman did his job on that night. But there's no way that you can continue to look at the mistakes he's making and go, this is someone that we need in the soccer camp. He was awarded Sydney's Player of the Match, and he did make some <laughs> saves. Did you not see that? He was he was oh, awarded well. Sydney's Player of the Match, but okay. <laughs> you didn't see that? No. It's because he made some key saves. And to be fair, he, he did make some saves, but they were down I, think that's, gullet. I think that speaks more to the <laughs> fact the that the finishing. <laughs> speaks to the fact that the Raw should have been six or Joe seven. Joe Coletti cannot score. Oh, that, that was one chance. Anyway. I think that's probably all we need to say. Uh, great to oh, see. I've got it. a few players from this. Oh, game. I was just going to say, uh, great to see a bunch of youngsters, and I'm hoping yeah. that you're going to talk about that. Yeah, I thought Cry Truen yep. will truly oh, show that dude. He, he should be he, starting week in week out. He pocketed Joe Lolly. Yeah, I mean, and Lolly, I think, is a phenomenal player. Yeah, like Lolly could still be playing in the championship right now. That is how good he is, and he'll yep. be starting week in week out in the championship. So Cry Truen, phenomenal game, absolute A star game. If he's not starting next week. Ross Aloisi, we will have words. I thought also uh, Wallingham had a really good showing for his first game as a A-League starting striker. 
and, you know, got an assist as well, but his build-up play contributions where he was able to hold up the ball and, you know, just influence the play. Yes, yeah. he only tried five passes in 70 minutes, but he was engaging the centre-backs the whole game and creating space in behind himself for other players to run into. And I thought that showed a lot of maturity beyond his years. Uh, yeah, he missed a chance, whatever. I think the biggest thing for me is how well he'd led that line and his understanding of space and all the other aspects around the game, you know, they will come. So a good outing for me, um, for him. We also saw some really young Australians off the bench. We saw Rylan Brownlee, good young attacking option, and also Quinn McNichol, you know, a good young attacking option as well with lots of room to grow. Didn't see too much of them. 16 and 15 years of age, and it's just great to see young players this young getting A-League opportunities to grow and develop and four or five years down the line, we could be speaking about them as the next Grand Wall, the next Nestoria Aaron Kinder. I think Quinn McNichol is the third youngest ever A-League men's player. Yeah, the youngest ever Brisbane role player as well. Uh, I think Max Caputo is on that list somewhere. So Yeah, he is. Some youngsters getting on the pitch. Now, on the other side of the coin, some Sydney FC players. Sure. It would be rude not to say them because I thought there were some good ones. I thought Goodwood Reich had another really good showing at centre-back. I think he has some room to grow. I could see also your nodding of head saying, yeah, he has some room to grow. A bit unsure of him. His reading of the game aerially leaves some room to be desired, and that comes with time and experience. But at 19 years of age, the composure and the poise in his ball-playing ability to build it up from the back is a really solid foundation for the modern centre-back. And I think he has soccer potential as a centre-back. Interesting. I disagree with you there. I thought that Sydney's defence was really shaky for the majority of the night, I think that Ryan Grant, my man, has had better days. Oh, Ryan Grant's is washed. I think it's potentially time for Corica to look to someone like Zachary Dezajus, who he gave minutes to. Yeah, he Good stint off the bench. Good little stint off the bench. I understand that they're short on players. They're missing Rodwell. Rodwell. They're missing Joel King, who I think he prefers Not a much back. miss. Well, personally, I thought that Courtney Perkins played fine. fine. Obviously copped it from the Raw fans for some words that were said in the lead-up to the game. That's going to happen. I thought he played pretty well. I think he is a better centre-back option than Gerwood Reich is. But when you don't have a left-back, Courtney Perkins is the best yeah. left-back option. I, I just think, think that's where Corica... I agree as the right-now aspect. I think Goodwood Reich has some insane potential, though, as a centre-back. I thought he looked better when he stepped up into midfield, but that's yeah, fine. I, that's I fine. agree he looked better, but I think his potential is higher from a centre-back okay. than he is from a midfielder, even though he's currently better at the midfielder than he is as a centre-back. And I think I really hope Corica sticks with him at centre-back because Goodwood Reich has all the tools to become a great Australian centre-back and do playing in you know one of the better leagues in Europe. He just has to learn the position. Second game of the weekend, we saw Wellington Phoenix, Perth Glory. What... A scintillating finish to that game. He's not Australian, but Paulson stood up when it mattered. He'll be exciting for New Zealand, I think. He will be, yeah. As far as Aussies in that game, not much to report. Taggart missing that penalty. I don't know if there's really much to forgotten, say about this game. Forgotten time for Taggart. I think it's time for that tag. Let's be real. It wasn't the most exciting game of the weekend. No. Daniel Benning got another start, though, which was good to see. Some good mm -hmm. minutes for him. 58 in total. Other than that, not much to report on for me from a Socceroos perspective. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, not much to say about that game. Western Sydney Warriors wiped the floor with Western United, although it all happened in the first half. Took their foot off the pedal a little bit in the second half, allowing Western United to get back into the game just a touch. But 
notably Lachlan Brook. He's been in involved in junior camps before. Hasn't made a senior cap for the Socceroos, but a brace on his return to the and a weldy is one of them. Yeah, oh, absolutely great finish. First goal for Western Sydney Wanderers. I think this is his level. Right? Yeah, I think for me it's a big thing for Lachlan Brook and his development. We've said it a lot previously in the show is he struggles with build up play contributions and that is still a thing. He should have learnt it by now, but it's still a thing. So I think that's holding him to A League level, which is highly transitional, which suits players that struggle in build up play. But also his finishing. And that's something that looks to have improved a little bit this season. He's never been a great finisher. He's always been fairly poor, to be perfectly honest, during his time at Adelaide and his time in his loan spells over in England. But two really good finishes. Looks to be on the right direction, but still question marks, obviously, over the course of a season for me, for Lachlan Brook. I think the A-League is a really nice level for him, though. And maybe he'll get another shot over in Europe. Um, maybe, you know, move to Asia. Japan could be a nice fit for him as well. I think what he will settle in is that Jamie McLaren level. He'll constantly always be pushing to maybe get to the next level, but never quite get there. Yeah, I can probably see that. I hope that he is able to find that next level that I feel like McLaren hasn't quite found. Yeah. And I say that out of a lot of respect, because I have a lot of respect for the A-League, and I think the A-League is a phenomenal level. Yeah. But I just think he'll never quite get to that Socceroos level. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you there. Lawrence Thomas, a decent game for him as someone who's another potential Socceroos keeper. And Brandon Brello, two assists. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Brello is really nice in-between strike option, right? As we look to transition to the Moture and Obotic era. Yeah. Brello can be a really nice stopgap in between the two. He seems to be much better in build-up and contributing at least assist-wise. Let's not talk about that miss opportunity for Wasn't Australia. going to. I'm, I'm glad you cut me off there. Thank you. Speaking of finishing, someone that finished really well was Nicholas Milanovic, obviously playing his former side. A couple of shots inside the box, both of which in the back of the net. So Love to see not that. bad. And this is something that I'm impressed by Nicholas Milanovic. 21 years of age, was really good in build-up play. Dropped into spaces, created triangles, actually helped Western Sydney build the play up on their side. Was it constantly just looking to get in behind? Understood the relationship with the midfielders and getting the ball up the pitch. So I think that's really exciting development. And I really am interested to see what comes next for Nicholas Milanovic because he's still very raw. He hasn't figured out that dominating side of his game, taking the game by the scruff of the neck, which you kind of need as a winger. But you could tell all the key attributes are there to be a really good winger and a really good one midfielder as well if you want to play in a deeper space. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands next. I'd really like to see him earn a move over to somewhere, possibly England. League One, I think, is a nice landing point for him. You know, maybe France in League Two, Germany in the second Bundesliga, these kind of areas where it's not the highest level, but really good developmental leagues uh, that highlight that build-up play aspect of his game because I think he's really sound in that regard. Yeah. Uh, shall we move across Central Coast Mariners' MacArthur? A 2-1 win for MacArthur. Once again, maybe it's because there were less goals scored. Didn't feel like it was the most exciting game from the weekend. I think Central Coast still in a rebuilding phase. Obviously losing three of their best players in Silvera, losing in Cololo, and then also Cummings to rebuild from that with a new manager as well is difficult. And they're still taking time to find exactly 
how they're going to play, I think, this season. Yeah, I think also it's a midfield issue. I think when Max Ballard is out or Nisbet is out, the team is not the same at all. I think Harry Steele isn't up to standard uh, for an A-League side. I think it'll be a great SD signing, not A-League though. So I think that's probably the bigger thing in my mind. In terms of Socceroo thoughts. Future, future yeah, Socceroos. Flipping over to MacArthur though. MacArthur have some really good young players starting in this game. I said last episode, really want to see Jake Coleman start. Jake Coleman started, got an assist, and played really well in that advanced 10 position. Creating, finding the half spaces, moving in the channels, looking to create, pressing from the front. And I thought it was very impressive in his chance creation and the way he was moving in the channels to open up space for the rest of his MacArthur side. So really good game for him and really developing into an A-League pro. Rodriguez got a start as well. Jed Drew played well in his starts as well. So three players there that I think are big ones to watch for MacArthur this year. Some really good foundation blocks there for MacArthur going forward because they look to rebuild their roster. And young talent, I think, is the foundation for Australian football to build that on. The penultimate game of the weekend, Melbourne victory, Newcastle Jets. It was a high-action game. I think a couple of questionable VAR calls and refereeing decisions if you ask me, I think that victory on the whole deserved the win, but I don't quite buy victory fans. And I don't want to make enemies with victory fans saying we're back, we're back because they conceded three, probably should have been four goals. I think Fornaroli had an incredible game. And if he can replicate this week in, week out, definitely in with the shout of making another soccer appearance. That's a, a big task. If, you ask me. I think one game scoring four goals, fantastic. But to replicate scoring consistently, even scoring a goal or two a game would be a, a big task, in my opinion, for Fornaroli. But potential chance for another soccerer's appearance. Yeah, I think so. And we speak about the issues of the striker. He could be another in-between option. If you have a problem with Mitch Duke, right, he can come in and... Pl- he can score goals. That Barello role. can't. It's true. Yeah, look, I agree with your analysis of the game. I think you take away the penalty Victory had, and it's a very, very evenly balanced game. It's just that Victory put everything away. Yeah. <laughs> that was the difference. Clayton um, Taylor, though, he scored two for Newcastle. Yes. And a great little player. Whether he's Socceroos, potential quality, I don't know. But Newcastle really do need a, a player or two to, to help take them to the next level. We saw that Pena helped carry them a couple of seasons ago. Could Clayton Taylor do it at just 19 years old? Maybe. I don't think so, though. Good game for him. Played well off the back of his first start last week. And a couple of goals as well. Young played a lot of room to grow. Another one that Sydney FC probably would have loved to keep a hold of. Former Sydney FC Academy prospect. They lost a lot of them and they always mm. seem to flourish when they have opportunities elsewhere, unfortunately. Good player. I think he does have soccer's potential. He has a lot of room to get there first, though. So one to definitely watch for the future. Uh, and another player I really like is Lucas Moragas. I think he is solid. He had a decent game. Um, looks worse than what it was because, you know, victory put everything away, right? But on the whole balance of everything, I thought it was very solid defensively. I think he could have been a bit better in terms of his build-up play contributions, especially higher up the pitch. But naturally, this game is very transitional. So it's not built for a fullback. So he didn't really have a chance to show that. On the victory side of the coin, I think Ryan Teague, once again, had a good outing. Really good passing range. 
Uh, one is ground duels, really showing it has that box-to-box potential and potentially be a Jackson Irvine replacement long-term. So I think he's developing really well and great to see him getting regular starting football now after a few years in the wilderness out in Portugal. Azani, if he can find consistency to his game, he can be in a conversation with Zuckerus, but he has to find consistency first. He's got the talent. He's just got to consistently show it. And goodness gracious, he needs to learn how to cross the football. He cannot cross the football, and Graham Arnold loves to cross the football. So he has to figure out that part of his game. I don't think the loop play is quite there for Socceroos. I think he'll you know, sooner play senior football for Sri Lanka than he will Australia. I think he'll be a fine A-League player, though. And I don't think Brimmer and Falami are really in the Socceroos radar right now. They really need to find form to get back in that conversation. Economy is even further off, so... That's probably my wrap of this game uh, from a soccer perspective, Lachlan. Fair enough. Uh, I did have a, a question. I've asked a question or two about this player before. Mark Natter. For, for a player, he did score, and I know that you can't just look at that. I thought that he was let down significantly by Hoffman as his centre-back partner. With another centre-back partner, how do you think he plays? You don't rate him. Yeah, he loses a lot in the air. And it's even worse because, yes, he loses a lot in the air, but he also doesn't commit to anything in the air. He really is just a bystander in the box at times. Right. If I were to pick stats and be a stats guy, he won 100% of his aerial drills. Yeah, you could be a stat guy, but when I watch him, he just doesn't commit to things in the air. He'll often defer to the goalkeeper or his other centre-back partner, and that makes me really uneasy about a centre-back. Uh, and, yeah, look, his ball distribution's okay. Short, it's not phenomenal long. It's okay in parts. His mid-range passing is quite good. But just the lack of aerial ability is really concerning for me. It's not just he loses his aerial duels, which he does quite often. It's the fact that he will not want to contest aerial duels. And that just straight away kind of disqualifies him in my mind I, as I, a centre-back. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I think that... There's much higher prospects Socceroos-wise, but I think he does have a fair bit of potential. And he will, playing for Newcastle, inevitably have to defend a fair bit this season. So we'll see what he's made of and we'll see how he grows and continues to develop this season. But I'm excited. He's For me, he is one of the more exciting players on this Newcastle side. Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree he's one to watch for Newcastle um, because they don't really have many to watch right now, unfortunately, uh, until they're... Ownership situation is sorted out and they can start to get their backyard in order. So one to enjoy as a Newcastle fan because you don't have much young talent. You know, Moragas, Clayton Taylor are definitely the two big ones. I'll concede Mark Natter in that second bracket because it's a bit thin over there in Newcastle until they get their academy and their player signing sorted out, hopefully very soon with new owners on the horizon. Finally, the last game of the round and arguably the most exciting game of the round. I know you're you're kind of laughing to yourself a little bit there, but a 6-0 romping Adelaide United over Melbourne City. Uh, I do want to just quickly say one thing about Melbourne City, and you might have already seen this. Uh, Jamie McLaren played seven passes all game. They were all from the kickoff. If that doesn't perfectly encapsulate our frustrations with Jamie McLaren away. We don't think he's a soccer striker. I don't know what will. A soccer striker in Graham Arnold's system. Let's because he's a poacher. We know he's a poacher. He can get on the end of things when he's passed the ball. But other than that, 
just offers nothing. When you're playing a game where you're losing 6-0 and your striker's not even you know, making any attempt. I mean, he's making an attempt, but obviously not succeeding all too well. Like, that's his only contribution was those seven passes, really, and then the missed penalty that Joe Gauchi saved. Not a great game for him, one that he won't want to remember. And that's not me saying that I don't like the guy, uh, but I just... I think it's time for potentially some other other footballers to step up. What you looking at, James? I'm just looking at um, James McLaren's heat map. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of action in the center circle. All in the center circle. All in, on the penalty spot. And then four touches out on the right flank. Not a great game for McLaren. I don't want to dwell on that all too much. There wasn't a great game really for any of the City players. What we should be t- highlighting is just how impressive Adelaide were once again. Joe Gauchi, penalty save. Uh, I think that is what earned him player of the match officially. Uh, Iren Kunda, if you haven't seen that video on social media by now, you're living under a rock. What a finish that was. Wow. Uh, I had people who don't really show too much of an interest in, in football telling me, hey, what a goal. By I had people player. that usually just mainly watch European leagues message me and say, who is this Iren Kunda kid? That's awesome. Because they're just like, they see the gold and like, yeah, that is literally like world-class James Ward-Prowse areas. Yeah. Oh, it was an absolutely great finish. Uh, I think it's worth noting Bernardo coming off the bench in the 70th minute, two goals and an assist as well. He's obviously had some experience at a junior level within the national team setup. He's had injury problems, which is what yeah. has really held him back. So to see him now at 19 years of age, kind of put those behind him and stamp his quality on professional setting. It's so exciting to see. And he has backs of potential as well. Um, it's really looking bright for the Socceroos when it comes to potential wingers for the future because we're looking stupid deep in terms of potential players. Oh, so, so deep. It, it, it's great Who's to see. Once again, another Toure brother getting a goal. His post-match interview, was, I loved it. It was so great. So real. And loved it. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so much about this Adelaide side to get excited. I think if there's one side for Bob me. Bob Valina as well off the bench. For me, if there's one side within the A-League that as someone who is a fan of Australian football is wanting to highlight and promote the future of football in Australia, if I was to point to one side, I'd say watch Adelaide United. Let me just do something real quick, Lachlan. Sure. Let me l- list off names from Adelaide United that could fetch them a fee for more than 500000 Australian dollars. Joe Gauchi, Mandanha, Popovich, Yule, Iren Kunda, Bovelina, Musa Toure, Bernardo, and then someone that didn't even get an appearance because they used all of the substitutions on so many quality young players, Ethan Aligic. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Some fantastic prospects within this side. And yeah, I honestly, if you are the sort of person who loves the product, the A-League, and want other people to get on board, even if you're not from Adelaide or from Melbourne, I would be tuning in to watch the Adelaide victory game this weekend because victory coming off the high of winning 5-3 against Newcastle, and then you've got Adelaide in a great run of form. I know it's only been two games, but so exciting to watch as well. Watch now, it'll be a nil-all game. But I'm so, so thrilled to see 
football played like that. And yes, it's at the expense of Melbourne City. Do I like seeing the downfall of Melbourne City because they go against what I believe when it comes to the way that football clubs should be run? Perhaps. Am I one of those people who was sick to see the downfall of Melbourne City? I almost passed away. I was in bed. That's how sick I was. Great to see. Great, 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 great. I don't think there's anything else really to say. I could honestly spend another hour just unpacking each and every individual player and their contribution to the game. But what I will say, instead of spending multiple hours in this, yeah. is instead of listening to my voice for multiple hours, go back and watch the game again. Sure. Go back, watch it again. Might be a better watch use of an hour and a half. Aaron- <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, watch Aaron Kundis' movement. Watch Popovich's movement and how much he's developed as a centre-back. Such a shame to see him get injured. Watch Gauchi start growing and being able to claim the ball in the air and address that weakness in his game. He's fixed that weakness from looks of this game of claiming the ball in the air. Mandana looks like Javi Lopez never left in many ways in terms of the mm. stability and the leadership he shows. Yeah. Look at the inspiration off the bench as well and the way Bernardo can influence a game. Look at Musa Toure's movement and how intentional he is with every move. And go watch this kid, Nestor Yerankunda. Because it doesn't look like Craig Goodwood's going to be missed in this kind of a team if Nestor Yerankunda has taken this much of a leap. And Nestor Yerankunda, he just has to be up there in the names of potential world-class players. And I would not be surprised in the current trajectory that we see him in, if in a decade's time we speak about, you know, top 25 Ballon d'Or players. Wow. And he's in that conversation. Obviously, Sam Kerr just came second. Mm. You think the highest Kunde- men's player ever was Masluongo, I believe. Uh, yeah, I know that Masluongo was nominated. There, there might be people Maybe from... Maybe Kuehl back in the day. There might be people from the earlier. 2000s and earlier that I... In the 60s, whatever. not aware about. Yeah. The point remains that Iran Kunda could become our best ever Australian player. That is how high this kid's potential is, how good he is. And his name, it's already up there in some of the upper echelon of quality young players. You have some serious international scouts watching this kid week in, week out, keeping a close eye on his development. And he has taken a huge leap this year. I'm just... So fascinated to see where he goes. Bayern Munich, obviously, heavily, heavily swirling because they think he can come into their first team next year and be a regular first team player for them. And that shows just how good he is. So go back, watch this Adelaide United game. Whatever team you sports in the A-League, go to their home game when they play at, you know, go to all their home games if you can. Uh, but especially when Adelaide United are in town, go watch that game. Because this guy will not be in the air league for much longer. He has a special talent, so go watch him live and in the flesh while he get a chance. Yeah, that's big shout. Uh, it's funny now watching someone like Ange Postecoglou in the Premier League crushing it, and I'm heading to Europe at the end of the year and going, oh, I wonder if I can catch like a Tottenham game, even though I'm not a Tottenham fan. And then realizing that for a number of years he was coaching the team that is literally down the road and he is one example and the best example I think of someone who's come from the A-League and the NSL before that I'll recognize that he wasn't just made in the A-League but has come from Australia and is now at the highest level and you can say I was there 
when he got his chance to really reignite his career after what happened. Uh, you can say that, hey, I was there watching Sam Kerr play in the W League before she was playing in the WSL and smashing it. There is an opportunity for you to say, I was there when X, Y, Z, when all these players or the coaches were doing their thing in, in 10, 15 years' time when they're on the highest level in the game. And I think that's really special. I think that's a really awesome thing to be able to say that you were there for those moments. And that's what happens when... You support the local product when you support the A-League. I'm passionate about that. I know you're passionate about that. And I can talk about that for hours as well. But go ahead, go watch that that game and enjoy the football that is played in this country. Enjoy the football played by Australians as well. Yep. Don't miss the chance to watch them while they're here. Yeah. Because they won't be here for long. Well, I think that'll conclude this episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any feedback, we'd love to hear it. Uh, obviously, it's the start of November. Uh, and I don't know if you've noticed, James, there is some growth on my upper lip. I am doing November this year. And I can see the number of people who follow this this podcast. Um, and I also can see the number of ratings that we get on um, on across the different platforms. I'm not trying to buy ratings, but everyone who gives this a five-star review and sends a screenshot to us on whatever platform you want to, Twitter, Instagram, that sort of thing, send a five-star review. I'll donate $2 to Movember. Wow. And I'll, I'll share my I'll share my little page on the uh, socials as well so you can donate as well yourself if you'd like. It also sounds like that means we need to get video up and going for this podcast because I think everyone wants to see this moustache grow each week. They will be missing out because I truly can't grow a moustache. People at work saying, hey, we're going to do Movember. And I said, honestly, barely any point in me doing it because I am follically challenged on the face. But I do think it's important to support men's mental health. And I, yeah, I, I believe in the work the Movember charity do. And so if you want to support that, literally all you have to do, rate this five stars, send a screenshot to show that you've rated this five stars and I'll chuck in $2. There you go. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week.